Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to So You Want to Be in Ministry. I am Tim, and we are all about educating you if you're thinking about jumping into full-time ministry, equipping you if you're already in, and encouraging you if you're just having a rough season and you're even considering jumping out. We also want to empower you to follow godly leaders. So you may be checking us out and you're really not interested in full-time ministry, but you want to uh, be able to follow and understand those who are leading you well. And so we want to empower you to be able to do that uh, really well as well. Today, we it's, a, it's going to be a treat for me. I think it's going to be a treat for you as well. But I get to interview my dad and... Uh, uh, my dad has had a profound impact on my life. Um, God radically saved him, and I want to, I want to share his story with you because I think, uh, especially if you're in ministry, sometimes you can forget. Sometimes we can forget even when we accepted Christ, uh, but we can forget what people are walking through as they're experiencing salvation for the first time. And he does a great job of capturing that and then sharing what happened in his life personally. But then as he looks back. He can share God's word and go like, this is what happened in that moment. And he can kind of put it together in a very unique perspective that I don't always hear from people. And so I wanted to be able to share that with you. But he's had a profound impact in my life. He is the individual that led me uh, to saving knowledge of Jesus, uh, where, I mean, the fact that I am in ministry today is heavily because of that moment. And so I'm, I'm grateful for him and, uh, and the reason that my children have even accepted Christ, the reason my spouse uh, that I have a relationship with him, we have a great marriage and stuff, is heavily because of my dad introducing me to Jesus. And so I, want, I wanted to share his story with you of coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus and uh, remind you a little bit of what people are walking through as they experience Jesus for the first time. So let's get into this interview with my dad. Well, hey, Dad, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you. Uh, so glad that you were able to be uh, here today. Thank you very much, and I'm kind of I'm looking forward to sharing my testimony. Absolutely, I'm excited to have you on to be able to do this, and I will not interview somebody else that has known me longer than you have. <laughs> this, is, this is true. Yeah. So, uh, my you have a unique testimony in the fact that uh, as you've studied God's Word and you go back and remember those memories of. Uh, of God bringing salvation into your life. You you tie God's word to it very clearly, which I think is a unique thing. Uh, I don't even know if I could do that as well as you do. And so I wanted to bring you on just to share that with people because I, I think there may be other people that as they think through it could do some of those similar things. They just haven't thought about it that way. Mm -hmm. Well, the one of the reasons I did this was because of prison ministry and I wanted to, uh, I wanted the men that I spoke to, I wanted them to understand what does take place when a person accepts Christ as their savior. Absolutely. Uh, and we, I probably will have you on again in the future to talk about prison ministry, because that is another aspect that I would like to talk about. But why don't you take us back to 1972 and uh, where God started everything in your life as far as his word and salvation, things like that. Boy, that sounds kind of... <laughs> Really, really distant, 1972. <laughs> I mean, whoo. Well, 1972, I was still in the service. I was in the Air Force for four years. I was still in the service then, and my great-grandfather passed away. And I remember uh, sitting on his lap. I remember him. We actually, uh, when mom and dad got a 
divorce. We actually lived with them for a brief period of time uh, because we had to move in with them, had no place to live. So it was just kind of a tough time then. But in 19, and then he passed away. I think he was like 87, 88 years old. So, but he passed away. And so this was the very first time I went to a funeral and saw a person lying there in the casket, you know, passed away that I actually knew. So, you know, I mean, I had a relationship with this person. So that's what made this one so, you know, real to me that, you know, death really happens. Just like it says in Hebrews 9, 27, it is the point that under man wants to die. Well, there it was staring me right in the face. Well, Mike, my brother, my older brother, he's about two years older than I am. Uh, he had been saved a little while before this event. And I don't know if it was a year or so, but then that night we were, cause we had to go out of town to go to this uh, funeral. We were staying up in a, in, in a bedroom together because that's where they put us. And Mike took that opportunity to witness to me. And I praise God for that, but he took that opportunity to witness to me and he shared some verses and I, he could have even shared that 927, you know, where it says it's appointed unto man wants to die. And I just don't remember, but whatever happened then, you know, I was in an emotional state because great grandpa was close to me. So uh, I got down on my knees uh, after about 15, 20 minutes of talking and I prayed the sinner's prayer. And I said, I accepted the Lord as my savior and then, uh, you know, the, we had the funeral and life went on. And so I'm going on with life. And as I look back on that now, I can tell that, you know, uh, Matthew chapter seven, where Christ says, depart from me, I never knew you. He would have told me that mm -hmm. because even though I said that prayer and I can go back and review that, but it was obvious to me. I wasn't saved. It was a, it was a, an emotional uh, words that I said, but there was absolutely no change in my life. There was no love for God. There was no burden for the loss. There was nothing. I just went on with life. Yeah. And so it was all about me, myself and I. Mm. And so I'll fast forward to 1977. So I'm going to fast forward five years now. Okay. And uh, your mom and I, that's when we got married, 1977 in September of 77. And I told her at the time that we got married, I absolutely did not want children. And, you know, she said, okay. And, uh, and I meant it. I didn't want children at all because I was so into myself and sports and I was a jock and all this and just didn't care. And so at the time we lived in Delaware, Ohio, and we lived on this in this little apartment and we got HBO. I mean, you know, you think HBO now you think, oh, wow, you know, but back then it was just kind of a new thing. Yeah. And so we got HBO and I said, oh, great. We can watch movies. We can watch all these things now. And the very first thing that came on that we saw and HBO would never think about putting this on now, but we saw a documentary. It was the late great planet Earth. Yep. And people may be familiar with that, but the documentary, it was about a one hour long documentary. And he was talking about prophecy and some of the things that, you know, were going to be upcoming in, in end times as we move towards end times. 
And this was both your mom's, Debbie, your mom, and I, this was our first exposure to uh, prophecy, end times, you know, more than just, you know, superficial biblical teaching. Yep. And so we're watching this. And at the end of this documentary, we're kind of looking at each other saying, hmm, <laughs> what if this is true? <laughs> yeah. And it was like, wow, you know, it just like floored us. And so we said, okay, just what anybody else would say. We said, well, maybe we should go to church <laughs> thinking that was going to do it, you know, just yeah. go to church. So at the time, and you know, neither one of us were churchgoers. You know, I was raised Catholic. Your mom was raised uh, Methodist and, you know, in name only, we didn't go to church. Yeah. We didn't care. I mean, it was just, Oh, if somebody said, well, what are you? And I'd say Catholic, even though I wasn't, Yeah, I was in name only, but anyway, so we decided to start going to church. Well, Mike and Elsie, and obviously Mike lived in the same town in Delaware, Ohio. And they went to this little church on the edge of town called Delaware Bible. And so we went to that church thinking, okay, we'll go there. Mike and Elsie go there. That's probably a good thing. So we'll just start going there. Okay. Well, just, it just so happens. Well, we started going there and we're, we're hearing real biblical teaching for the first time. I mean, you, you know, it's not just the, the platitudes and scratch the ear, but I mean, we're hearing real solid biblical teaching and we're actually hearing, you know, about being saved and repenting and needing Christ as your savior. So this was all really new. And so we had been going there. Oh, I don't know, maybe three, four weeks. We hadn't been going there real long. And your mom, well, let me, even before I say that, we were going to Sunday school also. Okay. I mean, think about it. You know, here we are, not saved, don't really know nothing, but we went to Sunday school because Mike and Elsie did. Yeah. And uh, so we go to Sunday school. Well, it, it, they're memorizing the book of First John. Okay. okay. And, right. and I'm thinking, you know, so I started memorizing scripture and that was my first real exposure, really, to any scripture at all, you know, where you're one verse after another, after another, and they're memorizing the whole book of first John. And I'm thinking, okay, well, well, let's jump in there, both feet, and we'll try and memorize it. So we're doing that. Well, after one of the Sunday sermons, the pastor, he, you know, and you hear this a lot. They say, you know, would everyone bow their heads and close their eyes. And then he says, is there anybody here that if you died today, that you're not sure you'd go to heaven. And I'm being a good guy. I got my eyes closed and I got my head bowed because that's what he said. <laughs> but your mom raised her hand. I didn't know that. And she never told me that she raised her hand. So obviously she motioned into the pastor. I'm not sure if I'd go to heaven. Yeah, I, I did not know that part of the story. I've heard, I don't think I remember that one. Yeah. Yes. Well, that Thursday night, and I know you, <laughs> You've told us we're, we're watching TV, just a normal evening and we're watching TV and, uh, uh, you know, our favorite show, Mork and Mindy, yep. I, I wouldn't say it since you've brought it up. Oh yeah. But I, I, watching, lo I love telling people that. <laughs> yeah. It's only a half hour show, you know, I yeah. mean, come on. <laughs> so we're watching Mork and Mindy and it had just barely started, you know, and, it was one of those shows that, man, you watch it every week when it comes out. So we're watching that. Well, two of the elders 
came to our door and knocked on our door, kind of a follow-up to your mom raising her hand. And again, I didn't know that she even raised her hand and had no idea. And you have to also remember, I'm thinking I'm saved because I said the magic prayer, you know? Yeah. I'm thinking, no problem, man. I'm good. But they come in here and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, these guys, <laughs> they're coming at the worst time. And I said, hurry up and talk to them and get rid of them. And that was my attitude about it. And so we, they come in and they're sitting there and they're chit-chatting, you know, I mean, and I'm thinking, I'm sitting there twiddling my thumbs thinking, hurry up. And, and so they're just talking about things. Well, then they started turning their conversation towards your mom. And they started actually using Bible verses. And I'm thinking, oh, this is all in good. I'm saved. I'm good. Hurry up. Just get this over with and get out. Seriously, that's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could tell as they were talking and as they were sharing scripture that your mom, I could just see the conviction coming over her. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching her face as they're talking to her. And I'll never forget their names, Walter Hurd and Bob Muirfield. I mean, those were the two men that, and we actually saw them years later, but those are the two men. I'm sure they're home with the Lord now. Um, But anyway, they started sharing verses. I could see her face. I could see that something was changing. I could see conviction. And then all of a sudden you kind of see her eyes welling up like, okay, you know, something's going on here. And they asked her, and I don't remember which one did, but they said, would you like to accept Christ as your savior? And she said, yes. And I'm thinking, okay, great. Now it'll be two of us. Let's get going here. And so she prays the sinner's prayer. Same thing I did you know, mm-hmm. seven years earlier, because this was 1979 now. So I'm skipping ahead two years. We got married in 77. This uh, occurred in 79 and uh, early in 79. And so she gets saved. And so then they get up and they leave. And I'm thinking, great, man. But unfortunately, the program is already over. I said, <laughs> ah, we missed it. You couldn't record things back in those days. <laughs> you couldn't. So I just missed it. So anyway, so I'm thinking, great. And, you know, we just go on with our evening, but she was kind of quiet and, you know, she didn't say a whole lot, but over the next couple of weeks, I'm watching her and sort of like Lee Strobel with his wife, cause he was an atheist yep. and sort of like when he watched his wife and after she got saved and he said, yeah, and then he went out to disprove Christianity. On the other hand, what, when I watched your mom, I watched a love affair begin with mm. Jesus. Mm. And that was what got me going because I saw this love affair. You know, I could just tell she had this affection for Christ. And all of a sudden she wanted to pick up her Bible and read it. And all of a sudden everything was spiritual with her. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, holy cow, man. I mean, I this isn't going on with me. What the heck's going on here? And so I thought, okay, they were quoting verses to her. I'll open the Bible up and I'll read some verses. Well, where do you usually turn? I turn to the New Testament. I turn to Matthew. And I get to, I get to Matthew. And uh, you get to 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Yep. And then he says to look on a woman with lust, there's the same as adultery. And he says to hate somebody in your heart, that's the same as murder. And I'm going through this litany that uh, <laughs> Jesus is preaching. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, boy, this is pretty rough. I mean, I think he's pointing to me. So that started my road of conviction. You know, for the first time, I, 
I didn't just say a prayer, but I actually was being convicted of my sin. The Bible, the word of God was actually speaking to me. So this goes on for about two weeks, you know, I mean, okay, I put it down and I go back and, you know, a day or two later and I read and, and I always keep starting at Matthew chapter one. I was like, God, just, this is where you're going to start. And I get to five, six and seven and I read that again. And every time I read it, it's like, he's just taking this big stick and slapping me silly with it. Mm -hmm. And I, it's like, I can't get past this, you know, I am guilty. This is me. And, you know, after about two weeks, I'm, I'm feeling so convicted now. And it's not like anybody else is witnessing to me. I'm just reading the word of God and the word of God is just conv uh, convicting me. And so I get up early one morning and I, I believe it was a Saturday morning. And I'm under great conviction. It's probably about two o'clock in the morning. Our bedrooms are upstairs. It's just a little two bedroom apartment. I come downstairs and I sit down in the chair in the living room. And I, this, this was my prayer. I said, Lord, I'm not going to go to bed again until I get this thing settled mm. because I couldn't stand this conviction. It was eating me up. And uh, so I said, I'm going to open this Bible up. And I'm going to start reading it. Well, guess where I start? Matthew 1. <laughs> Matthew chapter 1. I can't get past this. And so I get to chapter five, six, and seven. And I mean, this time I was under conviction, but this time it was like the Holy Spirit just got a hold of my heart and mm. got a hold of me and says, Bruce, this is you. Mm. And I agree. You know, this time I couldn't disagree or I wasn't just meditating on it or thinking about it or just feeling convicted, but not changing anything. This time it was sort of like, to me, as I go back and look at this, it was like Peter, you know, when Jesus was walking on the water, Peter said, let me come to you. And Jesus said, come. And so he gets out on the water and he starts walking on the water a couple of steps. We don't know how, how much, Yeah. but then he sees the storm. And when he sinks, he says, Lord, save me. That was my prayer. I just got overwhelmed and I started crying. I mean, here's a grown man. I'm in my late twenties. And I start crying because I know I'm going to hell. Mm. I mean, it's just like God told me, Bruce, you're, you know, you're, you're not saved. You're not going to heaven. And so I put the Bible down. I'm sitting there holding it in my lap and I put the Bible down and I'm crying at this point. And I said, Lord, save me. Just like Peter did. I said, Lord, save me because I can't save myself. Mm -hmm. That was my prayer. Mm -hmm. It was that simple. Now, Five minutes before I prayed that prayer, if you would have said, you know, pastor, when he was preaching, when he said, Bruce, if you would have died today, do you think you would go to heaven? I would have said, I don't know, mm. you know, thinking maybe I did because I said this prayer. I said some magic words. Yeah. But this time, after I cried out to God, I'm still crying at the, you know, even after I prayed this and I'm, my head's down, my eyes are closed, I'm crying. And I prayed that prayer and five minutes later, I'm still crying. But all of a sudden, these tears were tears of joy. Mm. I mean, if you would ask me then and said, Bruce, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? I would have said, absolutely. And I had no idea why. I just <laughs> knew I, I just knew I was going to heaven. I knew it. Yeah. I was saved. And so what I've done, and, and I can talk about other things there, 
But what I've done is, as I studied scripture, as I've done prison ministry, and I wanted to help the, the guys in the prison understand what really happens to a person when they cross that threshold from unbelief to belief. Yeah. And I just kind of made a quick list here. I sent you the list and you went and lost it. Yep. I had the list and I went and lost it. <laughs> so, so I've kind of tried to recreate some of this. Okay, good. So, but what I'll do is I'll just try and name some verses here and I'm not going to quote them exactly, but you know, anybody that wants to can certainly go back and look them up. But what happened to me, you know, in that little five minute segment, when I, you know, when I said, Lord, save me because I can't save myself, what happened that instant when I got saved, when I crossed over from death to life, when I crossed over from, you know, eternally lost to eternally saved, what happened to me in that little moment of time? These are some verses that I kind of made, and this is what I would share with the guys. What happened to me? Number one, and I mean, I get these in order because yeah. I just jotted them down as I thought of them. Yeah. But I'm trying to reconstruct this. But number one, uh, Ephesians chapter one, verse 13 says, I was sealed with the Holy Spirit. You know, I mean, the Holy Spirit, and I didn't know this. I mean, I was bought with the price. Like it says in 1 Corinthians 6, I was bought with the price. I was purchased with the precious blood of Christ. And the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 1 says, I was sealed. That instant, that second, I was sealed. John 1, 12 says that I, that he gives us the power to become a son. I became a son. I became a child of God. That instant didn't know that because I couldn't have quoted any verses, you know, I just knew I was blind, but now I see, you know, that's all I knew. Hebrews 7 25 says those that come to him, they're saved completely. I didn't know that because, you know, and you know this, and I'm not going to go into this uh, during this uh, interview here, but we started out going to a church that said I could lose my salvation. And I, I was really troubled by that. And so I'm seeing this here saying uh, Hebrews 7, 25 says I'm saved completely. You know, when I came to Jesus and that's, that's all I knew. I came to Jesus and he saved me. He sealed me with the Holy spirit. He made me a child. Romans eight says I became a child. I was adopted into the family. Romans eight says the spirit testifies. And that's, that's the one thing I try and tell them all the time in Romans chapter eight, it says that the spirit testifies with our spirit, that we are a child of God. And man, you know, I could not have explained that. I could not have described that, but that's exactly what happened. It's like once I crossed over and once the Holy Spirit came into my life, once that I was sealed with the Holy Spirit, he testified with my spirit. And, you know, like I said, you could have asked me five minutes later if I was going to heaven. I said, absolutely. I knew I was. Uh, Philippians chapter three, verse 20 says, I became a citizen of heaven. At that moment, I became a citizen. Um in, in uh, Philippians chapter four and also back in Revelations, it's my name is in the book of life. How precious is that? That your name is in the book of life. Mm. I mean, you know, I look at it and, you know, I've talked to you about this. I spoke on this in the prison so many times in Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, where it says those whose names were not found written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. Mm. How precious is it that your name is in the book of life? Mm. So precious. John 5, 24 says, I passed from death unto life. Now, I did, 
that moment when I accepted Christ, I didn't know that until I started studying scripture. And I would just keep coming to these verses. And I said, holy cow, that's what happened. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what happened to me. Romans chapter eight, verse one says, there's no now no more condemnation. And I'll tell you what, when I got saved and I, like I told you, I said, you know, I was crying tears of conviction before I accepted Christ. And, and five minutes after I accepted Christ, now all of a sudden I'm crying, but it's tears of joy. Yeah. I mean, I'm still crying, same tears, but all of a sudden it's joy. It's yeah. no more conviction. Romans chapter eight, uh, verse one says that I, there's no, now no more condemnation. And Romans chapter five, verse one says I had peace with God. And for the first time in my life, and here I am 29 years old or just shy of 29, I finally had peace. I had peace with my God. I had peace with my creator. I had peace. And I can't describe how wonderful it is to have peace. And I was filled with God's joy, filled with his uh, happiness. I mean, and uh, Romans chapter 6, 24, again, I didn't know this, but I received the gift of eternal life. What a gift. What a gift. And then uh, the other one is, you know, once I accepted Christ as my Savior, Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39 says, nothing can separate me. Well, I didn't even know that at the time. And again, as I'm going through these verses, as I'm studying scripture, because I'm telling you, I couldn't get enough scripture. I was like a sponge, man. I mean, from day one, they would do memorizing at the church we were at. They, they'd have contests memorizing. I blew them away every time. <laughs> that's, I was that's hiding God's word in my heart because, you know, just like it says in Psalm 119.11, I was hiding his word in my heart because I didn't want to sin against him. But I mean, I was memorizing the scripture. I was reading it and God was just filling me up with scripture. And then I kept seeing these verses and I said, that happened. That's what happened right there. And I kept pointing to it and pointing to it and pointing to it. But as I go on and, and as I was reading scripture, I get to the book of Romans and that was my life verse. Uh, because when I went back to work that following Monday, I worked at a, I worked in a, a paint factory and I worked in the lab or no, at the time I was actually working in Columbus, but I was working in a research lab. And when I went back to work that Monday and I was a supervisor of about 12 or 14 people, it, there wasn't anybody safe. I mean, everybody was going to hell and you need to get safe. I mean, I was telling everybody, you know, just like Paul, they were scared to death of him. Well, I think I scared my people because <laughs> I was telling them all. I mean, I just, you know, nobody was safe. I had... All I knew is I had this message inside of me and it was bursting to come forth. And I had to tell everybody, everybody needed to hear that message. In fact, I started going on uh, visitation and didn't even know what I was doing. <laughs> I went on visitation because I, I knew I loved the Lord. I knew people needed to get saved and, and I just knew I needed to go tell them. And so here I was trying to memorize a few scriptures, probably had nothing to do with salvation. And I'm just going on visitation and that's another whole story. I can share that sometime. I won't now. But then I even just started doing prison ministry, as you well know. I mean, I've been doing it for years because I just knew they got to hear the message. And so here's the, the last thing I wanted to share, at least for the sake of this podcast, is how did I know that I was saved? Yeah. Okay. But to me, that's important. You know, somebody can say, well, I said a prayer. So did I. Back in 1972, I said a prayer. But I wasn't saved. I know for an absolute fact I wasn't saved because there was no difference. You know, it's like God says in Malachi, 
I changed not. Well, I didn't either. <laughs> I didn't change either. And so all I knew was I needed God. I needed Christ in my life. But here's the thing. How do you know that you're saved? And I, I've done talk after talk after talk on this, and I'm just going to give you five quick things. Yeah, this is, I, so just to re-engage uh, listeners, this is the thing right here uh, that my dad has consistently taught me for decades. So here we go. Right. And again, I've done this where I've listed a dozen or more, but I'm just going to give you five quick ones. Number one, I fell in love. You know, that love relationship that I saw uh, my wife have, your mom, with Jesus Christ, it's, I finally understood it. I mean, I fell in love with him head over heels. I mean, it's like every day I got up, every moment of the day, I thought about Jesus. And, you know, if if the Lord would have taken me home and I would have got to heaven, I'd have been pushing everybody out of the way. Get out of the way. I just want to see Jesus. I just want to see my Savior. So I fell in love. And, and, you know, if you're going to do a self-evaluation, if you're going to make sure that you're saved, you better ask yourself, how's my love affair? How's my love life with Jesus? Not with anybody else, but with Jesus. Do you have one? Do you really love him? Is he first? Is he precious? You know, is that time that you have precious? That was number one. Number two, I got a burden for the lost, that was unbelievable because all of a sudden, you know, I'm looking at these people and before I got saved, before I accepted Christ as my savior, they were just people, you know, mm -hmm. friends had an acquaintance, but all of a sudden after I got saved, I looked at them totally different. It was like, do they know Christ? Is their name in the book of life? If, do they have the Holy spirit? <clears throat> and if they don't, what am I going to do about it? Can God use me to talk to him? And that's when I started memorizing verses that would help me witness. That's when I, all of a sudden, the burden that Christ gave me for the, for the lost, it just became a passion in me that I had to tell them so that they had the same opportunity that I had. I wanted to make sure that they understood, you know, that's another way that you can tell when mm -hmm. you're doing that self-evaluation, ask yourself, do you really have a burden for the lost? Okay. Yeah. Do you really look at people, even in your own family? Do you really look at them? Are they saved? Do they know Christ? Is their name in the book of life? Because if it isn't, they're going to the lake of fire. I mean, it's just, it's black and white. The third thing, and this goes back to 1 John, and you can read 1 John and it's in there. But I had a love for the brethren, you know, before I got saved, you know, other Christians, I mean, okay, so, you know, they're a churchgoer, they're a Jesus freak. I mean, they're, you know, you name it. That's about how I looked at it. Even after I saved in 72, I still looked at them like that. You know, I, I don't want to hear it. Well, after I got saved, I couldn't wait to be around them. It's like all of a sudden the, the secular friends I had, they just didn't want anything to do with me because all I ever did was talk about Jesus. <laughs> and I became one of them Jesus freaks. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so all of a sudden, they were just kind of falling away, you know? And all of a sudden, the people I was going to church with, you know, it's like I, I just started falling in love with them. And because we had that same common that common goal. We had the same common Holy spirit in us. We had the same common, uh, 
you know, likes and dislikes. And I mean, it was just like, you know, there was that common bond between us and you're just like a magnet. You're just drawn to the other Christians. And so that was another way I knew there was something different. I knew that something took place in my life because not only did I start a love affair with Jesus, not only did, what did I all of a sudden have a burden for people that didn't know Jesus, but I all of a sudden started falling in love with other Christians, you know, and I'm not saying that you go to hell if you don't fall in love with other Christians. I'm just saying the word of God says it just happens. You will read first John. You will, you will love the brethren. That's just the way it is. The fourth thing is I fell in love with God's word. Mm-hmm. How critical is that? Yeah. Because I mean, you know, that's God talking to you. When you read his word, he talks to you. And so it's, it's like I was devouring that word. I mean, I've probably read through the Bible and I, I'm not bragging or just, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm just telling you that I've read through the Bible probably 20 times now, at least maybe more. I don't know, but it's like, I can't stop underlining and memorizing and marking this and that, and then go and use that verse. You know, I hide it in my heart and then I go talk to somebody and want to use that verse because I think it can help them. And so I fell in love with God's critical. If you don't love God, if you don't have a burden for the lost, if you don't love the brethren, if you don't love God's word, you need to question where you're at. Mm. You need to do that self-evaluation. And the last thing was, and I said this before, even when I was given my testimony, that I had peace with God. There is a peace, even as Jesus said, a peace that passes understanding. People can... Non-Christians cannot understand the peace that you have. It's just, it's a peace because you know you belong to God. You know your name's in the book of life. You know that you have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know that you're saved. And you just know these things. And it gives you that peace. It gives you that assurance. It gives you that confidence. And, And so... Those things, and again, I could go on and list another five or ten, because as you read the Word of God, what I do is I try and read the Word of God, and then I start separating these things out. Well, you know, that talks about evidence of my salvation. You know, that talks about what happened when I got saved. This talks about, you know, my life now as I am a Christian, and that's the way I kind of separate. As I read the Word of God, I just keep separating these things out, and I say, you know, how can I use this to to be a better witness? How can I use this to be a better follower? How can I use this to be a a better father, a better husband, a better, you know, Christian in general? And so these are the things, and, you know, I, I could talk for hours, but believe me, I get in prison sometimes and I get carried away just (laughs) because I want them to be saved. Yeah. I want them to know Christ. I want to see him. You know, and just very quickly, the the first time I started prison ministry, I mean, you were still pretty young, very young, as a matter of fact. And I used to drive 50 miles one way every Sunday. But when we started and I didn't know a lot of scripture, I knew some and I was I was going out on visitation. I was witnessing for the Lord. And then I got involved in this prison ministry. The first uh, first uh, time I ever preached the word was first Corinthians chapter one, verse 18. The foolishness of preaching, you know, those that believe the foolishness of preaching are are saved. And I just, that's what I preached on. But the point is, there were two people in that class when I started. And this was a maximum security prison. 
and I was scared to death anyway. <laughs> and I went in there and I was preaching to two guys and I, I went in there every Sunday for about six years. And, uh, when I left, because I, we got transferred down to Kentucky and when I left, there was about 40 some guys in that class yeah. because I've, you know, I, I just think they saw the honesty. I just think they saw the care I used to, you know, I would do, and that's a story for another time. But, uh, I think when people see the authenticity, when the people see that you're serious, when the people see you're not trying to browbeat them, you just care for them. Yeah. And it was, it was that, that started telling me, you know, it gave me the, the confidence and the assurance that I truly am saved. And then as I went through these verses and I started saying, you know, this is what happens when a person gets saved, their book names in the book of life and so forth and so on. So it was just, you know, that's where I'm at. And again, I, I want to kind of reconstruct this because we both lost what I did there and I yeah. want to reconstruct it. So I want to sit down and put it down on paper again and be a little more careful this time. But uh, that's it as far as I know, unless there's anything else that you wanted me to share that maybe over the years that came to your mind. No, that that is a good summation. And the, the five evidences was a big part of that that you talked about a lot. I have asked you before, I, I, I'm curious if you remember your answer, but I have asked you before, because uh, I was even thinking back on my own salvation, because I was younger and so, yeah, like, I think that's the uniqueness of your story is you were a grown adult and you can, you know, the thoughts you were having. And I was, I was very young. And right. so like, I'm trying to remember even childish thoughts that I was having. Um, but I have asked you before, cause I do think this was real for me. Uh, were you running from hell or were you running to Jesus? Do you remember the answer you gave me when I asked you that question? I think I was running from hell. Yeah. You, you gave me an answer before, and you're like, can it be both? <laughs> and I was like, I think it is both. <laughs> so It is. Yeah. It is. I mean, as, as years have passed and I look at that, I, I think it is both. But, I mean, at the time, yeah, I didn't want to go to hell. Yeah, I, I think that was true for me, too, that I, was, I started running, and what I found was I ended up in the arms of Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Yep. I think that was true for both of us from our stories. I so. agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, uh Dad, I do thank you for share, being willing to share this and uh, share your story with uh, whoever ends up listening to this. Yeah. Uh, well, I hope it's an encouragement that if somebody listens to it and maybe they haven't really looked at their themselves and, you know, made sure of their calling, then maybe this is an encouragement to them. Absolutely. I think it's a good reminder for all of us. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, I do greatly appreciate that you've lived this out and that I'm incredibly grateful that God did save you in that moment because uh, it yeah. it truly changed my oh man I thought I was going to make it through and not get emotional um, here we are at the end got a little bit emotional but uh, it's changed my not just my life it's changed my eternity um, Amen. Amen. so it's changed my kids lives um, so thank Amen. you uh, thank you so much for uh, being on today and uh we'll end this while and probably have everybody in tears as we do but uh (laughs) thanks for being on dad okay i love you son love you too bye bye got a little bit emotional there at the end (laughs) um salvation should bring joy 
uh, and it should bring emotion, and it should bring life change. And my dad experienced all of that, and I've experienced all of that. And so I hope, I hope this was encouraging to you, maybe, maybe convicting, uh, maybe challenging. Maybe it was the right kind of reminders where you needed to remember what it was to just be in love with Jesus and want to follow him and want to read his word and want to obey him and want to share that with other people. Sometimes even as pastors and as ministers and as church leaders, we need to remember that. And we need to be uh, reconnect with that fire to be able to take it and uh, and share it with other people. So I hope uh, my testimony uh, or my dad's testimony uh, did some of that for you. As we get out of here today, uh, I, I hope this was uh, educating for you, equipping you, encouraging you. And I hope it does empower you not just to follow godly leaders, but also to go yourself and be that godly leader uh, that is willing to share Christ with other people. If you would like, subscribe, re- write a review, do all the things, I would appreciate it. Uh, but I hope most of all that you're leaving here encouraged today. We'll see you next time.